This is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode 97 of Gaming with Grief, and I'm calling this episode Down the Well. Uh, let me get to the intro first. So just to remind you guys, this podcast will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com, uh, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Go there, leave a comment, or you can go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast there. It's the Gaming with Grief podcast with Joseph Carlson. It's got a black background. Give me some stars, some likes. Let me know what you think of the show. Or you can go to Gmail. Uh, it's gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the show. And I'm on Twitter at Just Little Joe. I'm very close to getting the song on Google Play as well. So if you have an Android device, you can uh, listen to it there. So I just have to do a little research and some cut and paste and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so this episode is called Down the Well. Um, and I'm calling this episode because I want to explore something that I've explored in a couple other episodes, but I really, I keep thinking about it more now. I mean, um, obviously I'm very open about going to therapy and things like that. And I have, you know, I've, uh, I'm really open on the show, obviously. Um, but I think lately what I've been reading about and kind of trying to research and experience and keep my mind open to more is maybe what would be considered an abstract form of grief. So, you know, when someone passes away, uh, obviously there is a physical thing that happened uh, that you can point to and say, it is terrible, you know, that my parent passed away. It's terrible that my kid passed away. It's terrible that my best friend passed away. Um, And uh, you can look at all those examples and say, okay, there is a reason why I feel this way. You know, someone that was very important in my life uh, is no longer there. You know, and I've talked in the show, we can get into... You know, just the range of emotions you go through doing that. I obviously went to therapy. It was really important to me um, talking through it that way. But then there's other forms of grief, which I started to, I'm thinking about more. And even in the games I'm playing, I'm playing like these really, like I just started playing Thumper, which is this really abstract kind of uh, rhythm game that is kind of have this horror element. And I don't really know if it has to do with grief, but it's this idea that sometimes things don't need to be so clear, uh, things can be abstract and still hit you really hard, I think is what it is. And, you know, I don't know the story of Thumper. I I didn't look into it. This isn't like some review of Thumper. I just, it was a free game uh, that was given away by PlayStation and I wanted to give it a shot. And I've been hearing, it's been out for years and I've been hearing about it. So I played it and it is an abstract rhythm rhythm game where you you are a metallic beetle going on a track, basically doing rhythmy things and hitting pads on the beat uh, you know, hitting uh, corners to not explode. And uh, there's these weird energy things you shoot out from yourself uh, to blow up these heads at the end of the track to once you get to a boss level. Um, again, this isn't really a review of Thumper, but it, 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 it makes you feel like I was really tense playing it because it's this really fast breakneck rhythm game and it's got this eerie vibe. And I've been thinking a lot of that, again, with grief and thinking about, you know, what are the, what are the not so uh, obvious ways that people experience grief? And I found an art, a couple articles, and I'm just going to read a little bit from them. Um, I'm not going to read everything uh, from these articles. But the first article, um, it, it's a website called whatsyourgrief.com, which I think is an interesting website, uh, name of a website for grief. Uh, it's 
I don't, it doesn't really have an author here, which I think it's their own personal blog um, or not. But there's this interesting idea about, uh, I'm just going to read this one paragraph. Sorry, I was just trying to decide which section to read. So this person is talking about, uh, you know, um, how things change when you get older. And it says, with age, I grow warier and my load grows heavier. Decisions have to be made about what I can carry forward and what I should leave behind. Although intentions for the future, hopes, and dreams are usually worthwhile, uh, worthwhile, uh, fraught at some point with, uh, well, what, uh, at some point, most will become actualized, reach a point of futility, or become impossible. I understand this truth the day I gave up hope that my mother would survive cancer. And I understood again when I had my first daughter and saw that the dream of her being cradled in her grandmother's arms was an impossibility. Hopes and dreams get snatched away from people due to things like death, age, infertility, injury, poverty, and chronic illness all the time. Sometimes the hands people are dealt seem so random, and when things have gone terribly awry, it's often easier to feel cheated, bitter, sad, or angry than it is to accept and rebuild. And there's a lot more to the article. She goes on and on to give examples of uh, somebody from Facebook who lost somebody who wrote a book, and that gets really abstract. But I will say this idea of, you know, this abstract form of, like, what is the grief of uh, a whole town having, like, an industry in steel and the whole town basically all their jobs being outsourced somebody uh, somewhere else? And so then the whole town has to move on and just decide what to do with their lives. Uh, there is a grief in that, and that is more abstract. That's a way of life, you know. Uh, and, yeah, you could point to the moment of, okay, yeah, we lost our jobs. But I think just like that article said, where, when do you rebuild? I mean, when I was 18, I wanted to be a musician. Uh, I still suck at guitar, and I'm 41. I still try to play guitar, and, and I, I attempt to do it. But, you know, uh, it ain't happening. I'm not going to hit the road with my band. Uh, we're not going to probably have a number one single on the radio. Uh, that kind of stuff just isn't going to happen. But from there, uh, just listening to music and having an appreciation for music turned me on to so many other artists. So instead of taking, you know, I took the L basically and said, well, I'm not going to be a musician, but what can I do? you know, with this yearning. So I still try to play. Again, I'm terrible. I've actually incorporated into video games. There's a great kind of tutorial video game called Rocksmith that is like Rock Band, but for the PS4, And but you plug in a real instrument. So instead of in Rock Band where it would just color code buttons and say, you know, hit yellow, like Simon says, basically hit yellow, hit orange, this color code strings to the guitar. So you really play songs, and it says now hit the orange string, which is A or whatever. Hit the red string, which is the heavy E string. Hit the green string, which is G, and you will start to play songs. And so it was a way to incorporate something I know I'm terrible at, games, but also realize while I'm playing, hey, man, this isn't going to happen. I'm still not going to go on the road. I'm not going to get that number one record. But it made me appreciate music more to see how things are, you know, how those songs are created and, um, you know, uh, and just also go on YouTube and try to find artists that I'm not really familiar with. So 
for me, the rebuilding and the grief of like not being a musician, I guess, if you can call it grief, but the, the, you know, the rebuilding that she talked about in that article, the idea that uh, you can reassess your goals. And I don't think, um, you know, they say to give up, you know, don't give up on your, uh, you know, your hopes and dreams. And, you know, that's terrible. And nobody should give up on those. But you can re you can reassess those things in your life and say, well, you know, I'm not good at X, but I do have a talent in Y. And, you know, again, there was another goal in mind. I want to be a filmmaker. I wanted to write scripts. I still do that. Uh, I even submitted a film to Sundance. I've talked about it here. Um, and it didn't go well. It wasn't, you know, it, I, it, we had lots of problems. Uh, you know, the movie obviously didn't live up to the vision that I wanted for the movie. But one thing I'll say about the whole process is it, it even on a small scale without a lot of equipment, with my friends and I just making a movie literally with, um, you know, for lack of a better term, it was just a glorified camcorder. You know, I went through the process and wrote a script. We went through an edit. I went through and edited the script. Then we blocked out scenes. We got actors. We had to find locations. Uh, you know, even if it was somebody's house, we did some stuff in the public, which uh, got on the cutting room floor. Um, and, you know, it was a process. We went through the process. People quit. People didn't like aspects of the script. Uh, you know, because people quit, we had to change. You know, I talked about it a little bit before. But we had to change how the script went. And it, you know, but at the end of the day, the people that stayed around that wanted to help, um, you know, they, we made each other laugh and it was a good experience. And it made me think about, well, I could do this again and learning from this experience. Um, you know, what would I do to, uh, you know, to be better? One, I think it is important if you're doing any kind of big project to get as much help as you can, because I think early on, a lot of people take it all on themselves and they're totally capable of doing that. But I think for me, I was like, you know, I'm not a good director. I really liked writing. And so that's what I'm focusing on now is writing. And my, my friend that was there said, you know, I'm not, I can't write, but like he was an amazing planner. Uh, his name was Ben. He, he's the one that passed away that I've talked about before, but he could schedule something to know, to know, um, no end. And if you don't think that's important, then, I mean, you've never really done a major project in your life. And, and I really leaned on Ben to, to, um, and he wrote a production schedule. And so now when I watch movies, even though I've done one bad independent movie with a camcorder, uh, and I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think I'm doing that again. I definitely look at movies now and go, man, how did they do this? In fact, my wife and I watch a lot of Rift Tracks, which is the former Mystery Science Theater 3000 people, and they spoof a lot of bad movies. And although we laugh and think it's funny, there is part of me that goes, like, we'll stop and watch a movie and go, you know, this movie is not good, but they spent a lot of money on the effects for that creature. And that is cool, you know, and it's stuff like that where you appreciate um you know, those things. And it basically resets or reassesses where your strengths were, you know, and, and am I, am I sad that I am not a, you know, multi-million dollar filmmaker right now making big budget Hollywood movies? Yeah, I kind of am, but that means that I can take all that out and just focus on what I want to focus at, which is writing. And I'm doing that more and more now. And, and, and that's important to, uh, again, rebuild. So the next, the next article, I kind of want to read is um, this is a little bit more to do with the relationship and this more has to do with therapy, but it's this idea that, um, you know, is personal growth good for a relationship? Because you think to yourself, well, of course it is. But if you think about it, they're talking about personal growth. So the idea that two people are in a relationship together, 
but maybe one of you has experiences outside the relationship, not cheating or anything like that. But if you're having these moments of personal growth and your partner isn't, that could lead to problems. And, um, you know, my wife and I go to therapy. Uh, we talk to each other every day. You know, we, we try to use the right terminology and really see how we're feeling and not how we're doing, which is two things. And I've talked about it a lot on the podcast and I won't, I won't go into that again, but it's the idea that, uh, in these relationships and in these things, um, I just want to read from this one section. Um, so, uh, they basically use diary entries from several couples. There's three studies that they're talking about. Um, on a given day, if one partner showed an increase in their personal growth experiences, they also tended to report greater passion in their relationship. Although the data doesn't show us why in this case, we can speculate. So they're speculating, but still they're using studies to kind of extrapolate information. Prior research shows that intimacy grows through the sharing of personal information. As two people reveal things about themselves, they are generally not known to the others. They develop a sense of closeness. When our partner comes home at the end of the day and shares an interesting experience they had, we learn something new about them, and this leads to an increase in intimacy. Additionally, their good mood can be infectious, boosting our own sense of relationship quality as well. Thus, when one partner experiences personal growth on a given day, they can lead to a boost in intimacy and relationship quality for both partners. However, the results also suggest that when one partner engages in a prolonged period of personal growth that doesn't include the other partner, it can cause problems in the relationship. As, re as the researchers report, more chronic personal self-expansion was associated with lower romantic passion. In the short run, personal growth leads to an increased sense of competence and hence to a boost in mood. But over time, the psychological benefits of this continued personal growth may be lost as the couples experience less satisfaction with their relationship. In other words, they may feel themselves growing apart. Um, uh, so that was actually, I'm going to quote that. That was from a Psychology Today article, uh, which I really like a lot. I've been going here a lot to like read, just read. Uh, it was posted on March 20th, 2021, and the writer is David Luden, Ph.D., uh, and he, I guess he goes by Talking Apes. And I should say the other one I talked about um, was that website, uh, whatsyourgrief.com. Uh, it was published on June 9th, 2015, and it says, Grieving the Loss of Hopes and Dreams. Uh, oh, yeah, and it says right here, Understanding Grief by Eleanor Haley. So that's uh, both articles that I've uh, referenced. The second article I think is important because I think, um, you know, my wife and I in therapy, to be totally open and honest, you know, whenever you're married, there is this idea that you are a unity. You are together all the time, bound together. But I think this actually does a disservice to uh, yourself. You know, uh, the fact that it is okay to uh, be away from your partner for a day or two. It is okay. Uh, silence is okay. It's okay to be quiet for an afternoon. It's okay to think about things. But that doesn't mean that I love my wife less or that I think uh, less of her. It just means that I had a moment to silently reflect and uh, think about, you know, uh, things that are important to me or something that I uh, just think is, um, you know, totally, uh, just totally um, necessary. And I think that um, these, um, 
you know, these uh, feelings are okay. And I think with marriage especially, there's this point-driven home that you're kind of this collective hive mind, uh, at least in society. I don't, and, and maybe this could be pressure that I feel sometimes of like you're supposed to be this hive mind that completely falls in sync with one another, but it doesn't have to be true. Uh, you know, you you can do activities together. They they do mention in that last article, the psychology article about it is important to have date nights and have time together where you set aside time to spend time together and whatever. My wife and I do play video games together. In fact, I think in the next couple episodes, we're going to play that new Super Mario Brothers 3D that was originally released on the Wii U and now it's released on the Switch and there's some new content and she's been playing it and I want to play it with her and then there's some solo content uh Bowser's uh in uh, Bowser's Fury which is like this other add-on mode that's in there as well so uh I really want to dig into that and that's something we do together and we'll talk about it on the podcast um and then you know that's what makes it important uh to us to spend time together and that we both like playing video games um and also uh you know like I talked last episode or a couple episodes ago it is important to have a rest or a time away from all the problems in the world. So a lot of people use games to unwind because it has nothing to do with their real life. But um, I think what I'm getting at with the, it is okay to be an individual and say, I need, you know, I need time to myself. I need to work on myself. Um, You know, without getting into really specifics, I have some family members that are going through some problems and I think they haven't had that epiphany yet that like, listen, some of this is not, uh, you know, you don't have to do all the heavy lifting. Sometimes other people can do that too, but also just take a day sometimes to be by yourself and be, you know, reflective. And uh, it will be difficult. And it was difficult for me to sometimes not pick up the phone and just say, that's my day, you know? Um, and I hope more people will have that feeling of, you know, it's not all on me. And, and, and I was definitely feeling that uh, when all the grief happened with me in my life. I was feeling that with my wife, that I felt um, sometimes that it was uh, being with my wife was just another thing I had to do, which is a terrible way to look at marriage. And I think therapy helped me work through that and say like this, listen, this these things aren't your fault. You can work through them. And listen, this some of this stuff is not your concern. So don't worry about it. And to have somebody else say that is pretty amazing. Uh, especially when you're in your own head about everything and you think like there's no way out of this. There's no way that I'm going to be, I'm going to get out of this hole, you know. Um, Strangely enough, I'm writing a story right now about somebody in a well, so it's probably a little bit on the nose for what I'm going through right now. But um, yeah, so remember, uh, you know, if you feel that you need to reach out to a therapist out there or you feel that you need to talk to someone that's gone through grief or you know, do the best you can. Sometimes the hardest thing is reaching out to someone who needs help. And you say, listen, if you need help, I'm here for you, whatever you need. And uh, maybe they don't get back to you. Or maybe they think, you know, hey, I'm okay, which is fine. They can think that, hey, I'm okay, I'm fine. That's good. You know, it's it, it's hard not to involve yourself in the lives of people sometimes. And, uh, you know, especially again, I'm going to go over it in the next couple of episodes, but dealing with uh, my father and him in recovery, you definitely see, I was actually talking about this with my wife last night. It is amazing that in Alcoholics Anonymous, I had to read the big book because uh, I was in meetings with my father and he just didn't make me, but I read the big book because it was in his place and I was a reader. Uh, I didn't read everything. I read sections. He would tell me, recommend like, hey, read sections and things like that. 
and I would, and I read the 12 steps and the 12 traditions in meetings, which was weird because I wasn't a recovering alcoholic, but I think I was, um, you know, people just knew me because my dad went to a ton of meetings and you'd go to the same meeting hall and people like, oh, hey, Joe. And um, I told my wife last night, it's amazing reading those things, although it had to do with addiction, especially alcohol addiction, how uh, just all-encompassing some of those things are. And I'm actually, I'm trying to get, well, I'm not getting, I ordered a big book uh, and I'm going to reread some of those sections. Um, and I'm looking forward to diving back into that and kind of examining uh, why those things are so prescient. And again, like I told my wife last night, it is amazing some of those things that were meant for alcoholics and recovering from a horrible addiction, how it just covered, you know, it would just cover their whole lives and just how the wisdom of those words, you can just equate to anything. You know, like there's a line in one of the traditions that I was telling my wife last night. It says, you know, it's while you're reading the 12 steps, it says, you know, we thought there was an easier, softer way, but there was not. And that line resonates with me a lot. The idea that we always think, well, there's an easier way around this. I can just not deal with this grief. I can just not talk to my wife, which I'm, I was, you know, uh, guilty of early on in the grief. I was guilty of just shutting down and not communicating. Uh, but there, you know, but that's not an easier, softer way. And it is only kind of through that and really running head on into your, you know, your, your grief, uh, and whatever you're experiencing that, you know, you, you gotta, the only way out is through in a way. And, um, you know, there's other stuff in the, in there, which again, I'm going to read it. And, um, but I thought about that about games a lot. A lot of people, you know, use, especially nowadays, and obviously what I've covered on this, uh, podcast is they're using, the mechanics of games to deal with grief. Uh, you know, I'm playing Spirit Fair right now, and that's a game about accepting loss, but you get to spend time uh, with these people before you're basically on the river sticks uh, in a way, and you're kind of doing small tasks for these people, and then taking them, the final destination is taking them to the bridge, to the afterlife, uh, an archway, and they go through the arch. And it is, um, it's pretty amazing to see, uh, you know, um, that stuff in a game and I would have to think that if it's a 40 hour game I'd have to think that if somebody sat down or a team of people sat down to you know code this game and do art assets which is beautiful that they would really think about you know one of them or many of them have maybe experienced grief and said you know this is an important way to tell this story and I applaud them for that and I think it's stuff like that um that hey we're all not going to write a massive dissertation on grief and loss and things like that but you know maybe we can make a game that says like here's what it's like to experience grief and loss and and maybe that's important and that's what people need um and again going back to that first article how do you reset you know i thought my i thought i'd have kids by now but you know that obviously didn't work out like how do you reset that that goal post and like reassess how you want to move forward you know um yeah uh again some of this stuff is incredibly abstract and i and i'm very interested in how people deal with abstract forms of grief and how again there's a thing where you say okay well um i have experienced loss and this is terrible but i know my father passed away so i know why i'm feeling the way i do but then there's another part of like man i lost my job that's a type of grief like what is that you know or yeah i'm not gonna play guitar this isn't happening i'm not gonna be Again, a multi-million dollar star. How do I reset and take the things that I've learned from that and kind of move on? And um, yeah, 
I again, this is kind of abstract, and I don't really know a good way to end this. Um, but I will say, I hope everybody out there is safe and uh, you know, be good to each other. Uh, I'm stealing that from another podcast, so I don't, I don't think they're going to come after me for telling people to be nice to one another. Um, I think that's it for this. I think that's it for this week, guys. Um, but just to remind everybody, uh, this podcast uh, will hit my website, www.gamewithgrief.com. Uh, Monday morning at 7 a.m. Go there, leave a comment, let me know what you think of the podcast. Uh, or you can go to iTunes, uh, subscribe to podcasts there. It's the Gaming with You podcast with Joseph Carlson. Uh, give me stars, likes, all that kind of stuff. Let me know what you think. If you want me to improve the show, let me know that. Or you can go to Gmail. It's gwgpodfellows at gmail.com. Write me a line. Again, let me know what you think of the show, what I can do to improve it. And uh, I'm on Twitter at justlittlejoe.com. And again, I'm very close to getting the podcast on Google Play. So if you have an Android device, you should be able to subscribe to the podcast there. But of course, I will announce that when it actually happens on the podcast. And I think that is it this week, you guys. Everybody, again, stay safe. Be good to each other. Uh, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.